This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of July 3rd, 2017, and this is Michael Howie welcoming you to episode 436 of Defender Radio. Quiet announcement made in March stirred the pot, and now it's brewing up to a storm. In the last week, dozens of wildlife protection nonprofits, research groups, and nature-related businesses have clamored for the province to respond to calls for changes to a plan that put the fate of British Columbia's wildlife in the hands of a hunter and trapper-funded agency. Despite pre-election pledges of millions annually to top up the separate agency, and a now former MLA's claims that the government was, quote, afraid to manage wolves or grizzly bears because of the associated politics, few details have been released to any of the non-consumptive groups. Now, hunters and trappers make up only 2% of BC's population, and non-consumptive activities such as wildlife viewing and photography generate significant economic stimulus for the province. It's reasonable that nature lovers of all stripes be concerned about what this agency will be, and what it will cost them and the animals. To discuss what this hunter-funded agency could look like, common misconceptions about wildlife science and consumptive users, and what animal lovers in British Columbia and around the whole world can do, Defender Radio was joined by BC Nature President Dr. Alan Berger. Let's start out and talk about sort of that day in, I believe it was March earlier this year, when uh, a very quiet announcement came out um, that was lauded by uh, then Minister of um, Mining, I believe, Bill Bennett, that there was going to be a new organization to manage wildlife in British Columbia. What was your reaction when you first heard that? Well, I was, uh, first of all, quite surprised because uh, I'd never heard anything about this coming up. And uh, I'm the president of BC Nature, which is the uh, federation of all the naturalist groups in BC. And uh, we have 53 clubs and over 6,000 members. So one would think that uh, somebody in our organization would have heard about this uh, if it had been an open discussion. And, uh, you know, we would have been consulted by the government or whoever was putting this together. But it came as a complete surprise. And uh, and then my next reaction was complete disbelief and shock, you know, to think that you could move the management of wildlife in B.C. away from the government. And for the reasons that they were giving, uh, you know, the BC Wildlife Federation was giving and uh, Bill Bennett was giving, you know, that you could manage it better without political interference and do the things that needed to be done. Um, and so my, my first thought was that, you know, this is a way of taking off the pressure uh, against trophy hunting, you know, which is, is quite big in BC. Uh, you know, the, the, the opposition to trophy hunting is big. And, and that was my, my, one of my thoughts was that this is a, a sort of a, a move to try and diffuse the pressure against trophy hunting by moving it to an external agency, which has less responsibility to the, the people of BC. 
what I find very interesting too is that this is almost that continuation of the the major flaw in the North American model of wildlife conservation, which really relies on that concept that wildlife has to be used as a resource. Yeah, you know, this is to me this is a step back to the 1920s. Uh, you know, the way that wildlife was managed then, where hunting and trapping and and so on was the only focus for any kind of management. And, you know, we've come a long way since then. And, uh, you know, the, the focus now should be on ecosystem management, not wildlife management, because, you know, you can't compartmentalize nature and you can't manage wildlife independently of their habitat. And, you know, there's, there's huge numbers of other organisms that are not part of the, the hunting, trapping, uh, interest that need to be managed and that, uh, you know, have been grossly neglected in this province for decades. When we certainly see, even in the news today, a story about skunks in Nelson, B.C., and the concern that there are more skunks than the community can handle, therefore they need to start trapping the skunks again. <laughs> and it's it's very concerning because they're saying, well, there's no natural predators, therefore the only thing we can do is trap them. But okay, well, where where are their natural predators? What are they eating? What are all of these other circumstances that may lead to a perceived increase in population? Yeah, uh, and those conversations aren't taking place frequently. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I've heard hunters uh, and trappers say, and you know, read you read about it in the news media too that. They are maintaining the balance of nature by, you know, trapping the top predators and, and the fur bearers and so on. And it, it's just complete nonsense because, uh, you know, obviously these ecosystems could function, you know, completely well and, in 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 a lot better, in fact, without human interference. And what we're really living in is a totally, uh, changed, you know, ecosystem and the food webs are completely all screwed up and, there's no way that, uh, uh, you know, managing just certain parts, you know, large mammals uh, or birds that are hunted is going to lead to a balanced ecosystem, which is what we desperately need, you know, especially with climate change doing what it's doing. And that's certainly something that we're still learning about. And I think that's maybe, to me, what is almost most concerning is that we still don't fully understand the ramifications of the changes we're seeing in the ecosystem. But there's proposals, and I would imagine, based on the statements made by both uh, former minister and former MLA Bennett and others, um, that this is not about managing ecosystems, as you said, but very much about managing individual populations of animals that they want to hunt or trap. Um, and how that's going to look, we don't know. I think a, a wonderful example of that is the wolverine. Uh, if you take two steps south of the border, they are, uh, if not endangered, then at least at risk. Right. And if you take two steps north of the border, there's virtually no limits. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So t to me, that's a strong indication that we're not listening to what the science is showing us as it is. Yeah. And stepping away from having some kind of uh, uh, recourse. Uh, and I believe that's sort of the statement that a lot of the groups are making, including yourself, that currently in the system we have, with all of its flaws, at the very least, there is a political leadership that is responsible to the public overseeing all of it. 
And in this proposed uh, uh, program, however it may end up being, that element gets removed. Yeah, I think it's incredibly dangerous to to think that you can manage a public resource like wildlife and natural ecosystems with uh, an independent organization that's not directly responsible to the government and to the people of the province. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly short-sighted. And like I said, it's, it's sort of like 1920s-style wildlife management, which just doesn't work today. And uh, nobody wants that. And as I said at the beginning, you know, part of this might be a ploy to try and, uh, you know, maintain the trophy hunting, which, you know, many polls have showed 90% of British Columbians, including 75% of uh, rural British Columbians, are totally opposed to the continuation of trophy hunting, especially for things like grizzly bears. So, uh, yeah, it's it's... To me, there's so much secrecy behind this whole proposal. You know, it just was obviously cooked up behind closed doors and uh, was not publicly viewed before it was announced. And there was, there was, it was obviously sort of done in a way to try and bypass public scrutiny and to try and bypass the whole, uh, you know, input of, of all British Columbians. Um, and that's something, again, Bennett said, is that the government's afraid to manage grizzly bears or wolves uh, because of the politics of it. And I I struggle. This is where we get into that definition game, because the way he has said that implies that the government isn't doing anything, that these animals are being allowed to roam wild and well, they are allowed to roam wild, but. Um, that was a bad metaphor. And we're even, we're still waiting for the governor or for the, uh, uh, I'm having a bad day, sir. (laughs) We're still waiting for the, uh, the auditor general to come back, um, with the report on grizzly bear management. Right. Um, because there are serious flaws in that system. And even the government's own paid for reports on grizzly bear management pointed out like you're not spending enough money on monitoring. You're relying too heavily on, on the ground guesses and avoiding the use of proper modeling. Um, and the government, it just seems like they're just bowling through. Yeah. Uh, so how do we respond? Uh, and, and I think more particularly in the public forum, how do we respond to this, uh, extremely, you know, outdated model of, "Quote unquote conservation of managing top predators um, for the sake uh, and and really I mean we can't say anything other than for the sake of hunting them." Yeah, it, it's uh, you know the whole wildlife management in BC has has been uh, in a bad state I would say for at least twenty years or more. Um, you know they're just not uh, the the people that are making the decisions are not paying attention to the science. Uh, you know, there's numerous studies that have shown, for example, that killing wolves doesn't really do much for caribou, and yet that's exactly what our uh, caribou management plan does. And at the same time, we're continuing to log uh, the caribou habitat, which is the cause of the problem. You know, as I speak, there's uh, the risk that uh, caribou habitat around Wells Gray National Par- uh, Provincial Park is going to be logged. The company that has the license there has sent notification that since the federal government hasn't responded to 
a very urgent legal application to protect that habitat under the Species at Risk Act, uh, the logging company is, you know, they're going to go ahead and log this habitat. So, so here we have a situation where the government is, is killing wolves and on the other hand, allowing, uh, the, the habitat to be logged, which is, as everybody knows, is the root cause of the problem of the declining habitat. So, so we have the situation where we have a provincial government which is not paying attention to the science. They're allowing, uh, grizzly hunting when Economically, it, it doesn't make sense either because they're, you know, the the uh, the grizzly watching uh, industry is thriving and bringing in ten times more money than than the hunting industry, and the 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 bear watching industry is not able to expand the way it wants to because they are running into places where the uh, you know hunters have uh, licenses to hunt these grizzlies and. Uh, you, the two sort of industries aren't really compatible. You can't watch grizzlies and hunt them at the same time. So uh, we have an industry which is, could potentially bring in huge amounts of money into British Columbia, which is being stopped or prevented from expanding because of the interests of uh, trophy hunters. Well, and on this very program, we've had John Marriott, a world-class photographer who also leads tours. Yeah. I've had... Um uh, bear tour guides, and they they have said very clearly, we have stopped going to some areas, or we are unable to go to some areas because yeah. of hunting, and we cannot afford either ethically or safely to have you know the tourists come in and watch a bear get shot, uh, which is a very real possibility yeah. in these conflict areas. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, it one has to sort of follow the money to some extent because. Uh, you know, there were $60,000 that came across the border from uh, hunting organizations in the, in the States, which came in to, you know, support the pro-hunting lobby during the provincial election. Um, and this is in total opposition to the what people in British Columbia actually want, what they've been telling the polling people for many, many years now is that uh, you know, at least 90% of the population is opposed to trophy hunting. Well, and I find that this is also a conversation that I've had um, with with some uh, uh, biologists and ecologists, uh, most notably a, a wonderful chat I had with uh, Kyle Artell from, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, Raincoast Conservation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he explains, and we had a, it was a really, and for myself as a journalist, it was very valuable, that science can tell us if we can do something but it cannot tell us if we should do something. Right. And that seems to be one of the big flaws in what the government is saying these days, is that, well, we can go out and hunt these animals. There, like, there is a population that is sustainable. Yeah. Um, you know, we can talk about any number of these things and say, yes, you could take 15% of that population every year and the population would continue to thrive. But that doesn't mean you should yeah, there's the whole ethical issue as well, you know, which, uh, as you say, is, 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 you know, one has to take into account in addition to the science, and that is, uh, you know, is it ethical to, to, to kill, uh, you know, the largest animals out of a population, and uh, you know, just to kill animals for the sake of sport, uh, you know, as a principle. Um, and again, I think that's where most British Columbians are totally opposed to that. Most uh, most people in BC are, you know, don't have a problem with hunting for food, you know, hunting deer and and so on. That that doesn't seem to 
be a problem. And, you know, personally, I'm, I'm don't have a problem with it either. But, you know, for somebody to come and kill a healthy animal, uh, especially one of the larger and, and more robust of the, of the species, just for the sake of, of sport, uh, you know, that's, that's not something that I think is tenable in today's world. Something that came out, uh, and I think Smog did probably the best job at highlighting this in a single uh, sentence, was that uh, days before the election, five of BC's pro-hunting and trapping organizations, and the list is the BC Wildlife Federation, the Guide Outfitters Association of BC, Wild Sheep Society of BC, Wildlife Stewardship Council, and the BC Trappers Association, announced they had signed a memorandum of understanding to work together. So when we start looking at the timeline of events on all of this, it really does seem as though there was some level of collusion uh, between the governments who is saying, we're going to take this money and put it aside for this purpose and then transfer these responsibilities over. And these individuals who profit from, uh, from hunting and trapping very much um, or represent those who do. Yeah. There's no doubt that the, there's no doubt that the, the, was a backroom deal where all of these groups were, you know, uh, working with the people in the government that made these decisions. You know, I've spoken to some senior management people, you know, uh, bureaucrats, not politicians, within the the relevant ministries, and it's, you know, they don't, they're quite wary about what they say, but it's quite clear to me that that they not in favor of this idea either, you know, reading between the lines of what they say. And so this is quite clearly something that came from outside of of the actual ministry staff. You know, this is not something that that was uh, thought up within the 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 biologists and the the ministry staff that actually managed the wildlife. This is a political thing that was uh, cooked up by, you know, probably Bill Bennett and his uh his cronies in the hunting and trapping and uh, guide outfitting industry, and he's uh, he's more or less sort of come out and said that you know that many people think that this is his, uh, his you know he's this is his legacy of leaving politics is to create this situation where the hunters and the trappers and the guide outfitters have control over the wildlife in BC, and uh, you know we're this is a very alarming situation and. Fortunately, there's a lot of groups like BC Nature and, and uh, many other groups that are now speaking out very loudly against this. And uh, there have been quite a number of letters. Uh, and I've even heard from the, uh, the Association of Professional Biologists uh, in BC that they are concerned about this and they are you know, going to communicate to the government that they're in opposition to this idea as well. So hopefully, you know, there's enough opposition that uh, the government will actually pay attention, and particularly if we uh, end up with a uh, an NDP government supported by the Greens. Yeah, well, that that's going to be an interesting uh, event, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, sort of regardless of what subject yeah. we're looking at, what happens next in British Columbia yeah. is. Uh, something of a political thriller, and I can only hope that Tom Cruise is running around um, blowing stuff up to add to it. Um, now, one of the things that I have seen, and this is you know on comments, uh, in news articles, in opinion pieces, are sort of two concepts that get, I feel, misconstrued or conf- uh, conflated in 
these discussions, and that is that hunting and trapping contribute more to conservation than anything else, and that hunting and trapping is entirely scientific, scientifically based and responsible in that manner. Um, and as the head of the group of naturalists, I'm sure you have a strong opinion on the economic contributions, as well as the in-field contributions. And this is something I've been looking into, and there is not a lot of obvious information available. I, I hope someone does sort of start compiling this. But from your perspective, with your experience, both professionally and uh, um, scientifically, would you agree or disagree that the hunting and trapping groups or organizations are responsible for the majority of conservation in British Columbia? Yeah, that's a that's a total misconception, and uh, it, it's it's uh, you know it, it gives the hunting and trapping groups uh, a lot of uh, you know clout in the media because they can say you know we contribute whatever it is three or four million dollars directly to the bc uh, government coffers and this should be contributed to uh, wildlife management but you know they're totally neglecting the fact that other uses of wildlife like game watching uh, bird trips, uh, just the fact that people like to get out and go camping and see wildlife, uh, all the money that is contributed, you know, spent on, on uh, birding activities, uh, binoculars, cameras, all that sort of stuff. You take all that into consideration and the and it, it totally will dwarf the in, input from the hunters and trappers. And that's one of the things that we're calling for in our proposal that BC Nature and the other groups that we've put together this proposal, we're calling for the government to actually do an economic analysis of uh, the value of wildlife, you know, not just hunting and so on, but, uh, you know, what the, the economic value is for tourism and and other things. It has been done in some, you know, parts of North America, in Washington, for example, they did a, a study and they, they found that uh, wildlife watching contributes about five times the economic benefit that hunting does. And uh, we're talking billions of dollars here. You know, it's uh, uh, and so, you know, the, the, the argument that because they're paying hunting fees means that they should say have a, a, a much stronger say in what happens to wildlife is is totally fallacious because it's, uh, you know, the, the, the economic argument is, is flawed. And uh, we really do need the figures that show what the non-consumptive use of wildlife brings into BC's economy. And I'm absolutely convinced it'll be 10 or 20 times more than what uh, hunting will, will bring in. So that's what we want. We want the government to actually... Uh, you know, come up with those figures to to do a, an economic analysis and uh, tell the public of BC what wildlife is worth alive versus what it's worth dead. And uh, we need to know that. You know, that's uh, you can't manage wildlife without looking at the economic side of it. Um, and we don't we just don't have that that information. Um, you know, from the the other point of view that you know, hunters uh, hunting is all based on science and so on. That's also nonsense because you know, especially trophy hunting. There have been numerous studies that have showed that 
trophy hunting leads to a totally skewed genetic distribution of uh, the the hunted populations. You end up with animals that are much smaller, with uh, smaller horns. In the case of bighorn sheep and that sort of thing, and so you you have a you know something which is actually working contrary to natural selection to uh, on these these wildlife populations. Um, so you know we we need to move beyond the the sort of accepted. Uh, you know, public view that, that, that hunting is all done scientifically and is economically beneficial and all that sort of stuff. You know, nobody has any, uh, well, most people don't have any opposition to, to hunting for the sake of, of food, you know, and especially if it's part of some people's traditions, like the First Nations people. But, uh, you know, there's, there's really no justification nowadays for, uh, hunting wolverines and and uh, and you know other other animals like that, which are really not used for food. One of the ones I always point to as well is the coyote. Um, folks will always say, "Oh, well, you know, we can." It's open season on coyotes because the population can handle it. But more and more science is showing that that is causing problems. Uh, that that's causing the um, uh, compensatory breeding and. We're creating conflict because of that. Uh, there's some interesting studies coming out of the U.S. Um, that show that, you know, having state-run culls are actually resulting in an increase in poaching of wolves. Um, and even when you then talk about how we perceive inappropriate killing of wildlife, you know, so there was, there was one example of a gentleman who killed a grizzly bear, um, a while ago, and I'm not going to get into the details because I honestly don't remember them, but it was a couple thousand dollars in fines that he faced. Um, and when you see that, you kind of go, well, how much does this matter to the government? Because if you're you're saying, well, this has to be managed so tightly and we're going to sell these tags and it's good because that brings all these thousands of dollars, uh, tens of thousands of dollars, but then if you just kill them and you get a couple hundred dollars in fines... Like it's it's this very skewed impression of what matters and what's important, and I think a lot of that again it comes back to that f- that basic flaw in wildlife management um, in British Columbia and in most jurisdictions in North America that views wildlife as a resource that needs to be used. Um, so it it it's like some kind of weird irresponsibility for not. Doing well, that's it. exactly. You know, uh, there have been several organizations that have tried to buy the the grizzly, uh, the rights to, to hunt the grizzlies and then not kill them. And uh, the government has opposed that. You know, they they basically are saying that you can only buy a ticket to hunt a, a grizzly if you kill the grizzly. So, you know, they, they're not really concerned. One has to wonder about the, the rationale there because they're still getting the same amount of money that's coming into the government. And it actually is better because, you know, that grizzly is still alive and they can sell the ticket again uh, down the road, and yet they, they are opposed to it. So they, you know, it's 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 really difficult to sort of understand the logic that, that goes into some of these things, except that they are under incredible pressure from the hunting and trapping groups not to change anything. You know, that that's the only sort of rationale that, that one can 
put into uh, those kinds of decisions. And that's where I kind of want to go with this to wrap up. This is a two-parter. One is the funding. Um, that's something that you've already touched on a few times. It's something that we at the Fur Bears are constantly stating. Um, and as I said in that Grizzly Bear management review, uh, so-called review that was done several months ago, uh, the researcher said uh, the same thing is we need more funding for research. We need to know more about what's going on. And I don't think any of us would oppose some of that money from the hunting group, um, you know, from the sale of bullets and tags and so on being redirected into true conservation. Uh, that simply makes sense. It's then what gets done with it, I think, is sort of the, the ultimate issue here. Um, and Yeah, we, th- those of us who, you know, we've got 18 groups that have signed this proposal that BC Nature has submitted to the government. Um, and I think all of us are unanimous in, in agreeing with the hunters and the trappers that there hasn't been enough money put into wildlife management in BC. And this was documented very carefully by, there was a group of retired uh uh, senior management managers from uh, forestry and environment and so on who published a paper a few years ago basically documenting the decline in the number of full-time employment positions, the, the amount of funding for management, the amount of funding for research, the amount of funding that goes into uh, conservation offices and so on. All of this has been documented to have you know, declined precipitously over the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years. So we we agree with the uh, the hunters and the trappers that there needs to be a lot more money put into wildlife management. Where we disagree, I guess, is how it should be used, and uh, you know how management should be done. We believe that uh, the money there should be a complete review of the whole ecosystem management in BC. And that uh, there should be a, you know, we've proposed that there should be an expert panel of outside people uh, representing all the the uh, interested parties, uh, you know, the public and, and naturalists and bird watchers and hunters and trappers and everybody that has an interest in wildlife should be able to contribute to this review. And then coming out of that, there there should be some very strong recommendations as to how wildlife management and ecosystem management should be done in this province and the government should be putting the money in to achieve the goals that uh, that, that this panel would recommend so we we think this is an opportune time to you know take a, a step back get some strong uh, expert opinion uh, as to how things should be done and uh, you know come up with a completely new approach to not just wildlife management, but ecosystem management in BC. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, one comment I have to add to that is the, um, the way the lobby groups will wave around the word science. Um, they say, this is what the science says. Well, show us. You can't just say the science says X and not have the science to actually back that up. Yeah, Um, that's right. And and that's what I find very, uh, in the last few years, again, as more questions are being asked about assumptions that have been held for a long time, um, we're starting to see, uh, again, I think a good example is that, you know, the, the, uh, a a state run cult increases poaching of wolves that, uh, open season on coyotes can increase conflict, um, and, uh, so on. So it's, you know, I find that, 
very uh, uh, important to sort of get out there. And to wrap up, finally, promise last question, what can people do? Uh, right now, the way I perceive it, and my perception is obviously going to be biased and skewed, um, is the government frequently views those in pro-wildlife groups, um, protection groups, as being outsiders and radicals, and those in these uh, pro-hunting or trapping groups to be the reasonable ones. And I think we've we've figured out why pretty clearly, um, as you said, when you follow the money. So what can we be doing, both as individuals and as associations, to try and push British Columbia and, and really any government into the idea of looking at wildlife as individuals who make up communities, who are part of populations that are part of ecosystems, as opposed to this sort of almost, it's like a game of risk where you just roll the dice and you've got X number of animals in this region that you can use. Uh, how, how can we be part of the solution in this case? Well, people have to speak up and, uh, you know, voice their, their opinions. And secondly, people should be joining organizations like BC Nature, which, you know, we're, uh, <laughs> BC Nature is, is uh, we're not a, a sort of a advocacy group. We're a, a group that is, of people that enjoy nature and we, our motto is to know nature and to keep it worth knowing. And so it's the second part of our motto that, uh, that causes us to sort of, you know, step out of our normal placid mode and, and, uh, get rather, uh, you know, annoyed at, at what's going on and speak out about this. Um, we're, you know, BC nature is, is, uh, basically people that are primarily interested in, in nature just for the sake of nature, you know, birds and, and plants and, and wildlife and so on. And we're, we're not a frontline advocacy group that, uh, you know, is, is speaking out about all environmental issues. So when, uh, when a, a group like ours, you know, actually speaks out against something like this, uh, and, you know, we've got other groups like Nature Canada were part of our proposal as well. Uh, you know, I think hopefully the government will, will realize that, uh, you know, this is not your, your usual tree hugger types, you know, that are, <laughs> that are you know, raising the usual types of uh, concerns. Yeah. And, and this is something that, that affects everybody. You know, one of the, well, the big problems is that, you know, people that go out just for the sake of enjoying birds or wildlife uh, are, by their nature, you know, we're, we're not the kind of people that, that necessarily join groups and, and uh, lobby, you know, governments, whereas the hunters and the trappers and the outfitters, they're very well organized and they, mm -hmm. they've done a very good job in, in getting the government to pay attention to them. So we have a bit of an imbalance here where the, the vast majority of, of British Columbians enjoy wildlife for the sake of just enjoying wildlife, but they, they don't belong to any lobby groups and they don't sort of uh, speak out enough. Um, and that needs to change. You know, we, we need to realize that uh, unless we actually speak out in protection of, of our ecosystems and our wildlife, that we're going to lose them. And uh, so... So people need to to be a little bit more uh, forthcoming in in their opinions and uh, and you know support groups like BC Nature and and other groups that uh, are prepared to speak out in 
in support of uh, scientific-based management. To learn more about BC Nature, visit bcnature.ca. To read the letter co-signed by the Fur Bears or find appropriate contacts for letters, visit thefurbears.com. That's the show for this week, folks. I really do hope that you'll all take time to contact your MLA. And if you're not a resident of British Columbia, the Premier's office and maybe the Ministry of Environment. It's important that they hear from different people who all believe this is a bad idea. This plan cannot go forward. And I personally believe it will spell disaster for wildlife for generations to come. Please do visit thefurbears.com and find out how you can make a difference. Until next time, this is Michael Howie for Defender Radio reminding you to stay informed and stay strong.